Destination Morocco is excited to announce our new supporters platform where you can show your support for the podcast. Since early 2022, we have delighted in sharing with you the best of Morocco. Great travel advice, cultural insights, conversations with fellow travelers, and our own personal recommendations drawn from a lifetime of experiences. After all, we are proudly Moroccan-owned and operated with the mission to be genuine and trustworthy leaders in Moroccan tourism. Now, you can contribute directly to the podcast and help us continue this mission. Whether five, eight, or ten dollars, a one-time or a monthly commitment, your support is greatly appreciated and keeps the podcast going strong. Follow the link in the podcast show notes or go to coffee.com. That's ko-fi.com and simply search for the word Morocco. See you there. It was a really nice feeling to feel like we weren't tourists. It felt like we were guests. And we felt that way pretty much everywhere we went. Welcome to the Destination Morocco podcast, the show that takes you away to the beautiful country of Morocco. I am your host, Azadine El Mustakim. In each episode, we explore Moroccan culture, history, attractions, and activities. Real and practical information coming from experienced travelers and native Moroccans like myself. Our goal is to help travelers that are struggling with planning any type of trip to Morocco. Our company, Destination Morocco, builds personalized tour packages that will ensure you enjoy our country just like local. Follow us at destinationmorocco.co. And now, let's go exploring. In today's episode, I'll be talking with Pablo Juarez. He just came back from his trip to Morocco, and he's here to share his experience with us. Would you please introduce yourself to the audience, Pablo? Yeah, my name is Pablo, and I'm from Ottawa, Canada. This was my first trip to Morocco. I've done quite a bit of backpacking through Europe, a little bit of Central America and Australia, Southeast Asia, but it was my first trip to Africa. Oh, wow. Why did you choose Morocco? For us, you know, we've been in the pandemic for over two years, and this was our first holiday. So we really wanted to plan something that was a little bit different, more outside the box, and something with a bit more sense of adventure. So we had thought about going to Europe. Portugal seemed to be pretty high on our list. So as we were looking into this Portugal trip, the more we researched and you know, we could see how close it was to Morocco, we thought maybe yeah, we could go into Tangier, hop into Morocco for a little bit. So we started researching into Morocco as well. And the more I researched, the more we found that there's a lot to see in Morocco, <laughs> as you know. It was really interesting because it was completely different than what we had in mind for our holiday. So we decided to take a little bit of a leap and we put Portugal, you know, maybe we'll do that another time or next year. And we focused on building a trip for Morocco. You know, the funny thing, a lot of people, when they reach out to me and they always want to go to Portugal and Morocco, it's kind of weird, but the exact same thing that you have said, at least two or three people that I can remember have said the same thing. They want to go to Portugal. They want to spend a little bit of time in Spain. 
and then because it's close to Morocco, they'll spend a day, a couple of days and stuff. So it's, it's very interesting to see the way people think sometimes uh, when planning that big of a trip. In terms of research, what type of research have you done, Pablo, knowing that you're going to be traveling to Morocco for 18 days? And how did you look into the lodging, the riyads, the hotels, the transportation, the taxis, the buses and all that stuff? Uh, was it easy for you? Was it difficult? Walk us through your process, please. Luckily, we had a few friends from home who had been to Morocco before, so we were able to pick their brains a little bit just to understand what they did. A few people had a desert experience. A few people just had a couple nights layover in Marrakesh and Casablanca. So that was good information to start. When I started to do a deep dive into Morocco, for me, I'm someone who I really like my podcasts. So <laughs> I listen to a lot of podcasts every day at work. Like it's, oh, wow. it's crazy. Sports podcasts, all kinds of stuff like that and travel podcasts. So I searched Morocco for some podcast episodes and I found a lot of episodes from a whole bunch of different podcasts, which were really useful, but each one had a different perspective. They'd had a different itinerary and it was a little bit tricky. It was useful, but it was tricky. And then I found your podcast and I think I finished every episode up until that oh, point. Wow. Maybe there was like 10 or 12 episodes. I'm not sure, but I finished them in like a day and a half. Like I just binged <laughs> straight through them. So I'm not sure how much knowledge I retained listening to one right after the other, but it was really fascinating. And I thought really early on in your episodes, there was some really interesting guests and everyone was just speaking with so much energy and affection, I think, for Morocco. So it wasn't until I found your podcast that I realized, okay, there's a lot to this that we need to understand. And even before I reached out to you guys at Destination Morocco, I had listened to the podcast. I started reading some blogs, but it really wasn't until we finally connected that I think it all came together. So oh, wow. that was the most helpful thing for us. Oh, thank you so much for that. Really, really appreciate it. And we're glad we have connected. So traveling to Morocco, obviously doing your homework, you have perceived Morocco to be one way. And then when you got to fast, when you got to Morocco, how was your perception versus reality? I went there with no expectations, to be honest. So I travel with my partner, Harmony and I, and we're both from Canada. We like to travel. We enjoy traveling but this is actually our first international trip together. So, you know, in a way, like it's great to read blogs and look at social media posts, but at the same time, I really like to be surprised. So I didn't go too far into reading about absolutely everything necessarily. I tried to just get a little bit of the gist of what's important, what's significant, what we might want to see. And then that way I didn't have any expectations. So when we showed up, we flew to um, Casablanca. We had one day there. And it was a little bit of a, a little bit of culture shock at first, I think, because it was a very busy, busy city. We got right off the plane. We took the train into Casablanca. We went to the Hassan the Second Mosque. It was beautiful. Just seeing that and having the explanations by a local guide of the architecture and the history and everything that's involved there. It was just really fascinating. That was a really good start to understand that there's, there's going to be a lot to uncover here in Morocco. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. The mosque is, it's a masterpiece. Once you go inside and the amount of time that it took to build it, the craftsmanship and people from all over Morocco has chipped in to help and build it. So it's a pride that we all feel and share with the mosque of Casablanca, the Hassan II mosque. Tell us a little bit more about it. When you went inside, how was it like for you? This is one of the largest mosques in North Africa. And it's so important because it's one of the only ones that you're actually allowed to visit if you're a non-Muslim person. So I think there's different tour times every day. 
we were kind of scrambling. We knew we had to get there for the three o'clock or one o'clock, whatever it was. So we got there really quickly. They have guides in German, Spanish, French, English, Italian, everything. So you go and stand in the uh, English queue. The uh, guide takes you in. And just from outside, like it's unbelievably huge. And I think maybe because it's by the ocean, when you see it in photos, you don't think it's that big. And then you get in a cab or you're in a taxi or a bus, whatever, and then you see it and you're like, oh my God, this thing is massive. So the site itself, you could spend a good solid hour just walking around and exploring before you even go inside. Once you're inside, the architecture is unbelievable. It's fascinating. I think it's French architect who designed this. Yes. But no, it's absolutely fascinating. And the way the light comes into the spaces is beautiful. It's so vast. The chandeliers inside are incredible. And it was very interesting to hear and understand and learn what the processions are in the mosque. And then we went downstairs to the washing areas as well. Yes, the abolition area. Yeah, which was really cool. So it was just fascinating to see and, and learn and soak it all in. It really felt almost like in Barcelona. I had oh, the wow. same feeling visiting the Sagrada Familia. It was just so impressive, such an accomplishment. And I'm glad that it's open for everyone because Moroccans, for sure, they should be proud of that. Oh, absolutely. I completely agree. I completely agree. So for a lot of people, when they go, they want to see the mosque, the tour guide, can you tell us how much was the cost of it, please, if you remember? There's a combination ticket you can get for the uh, museum and entrance off the top of my head. I mean, for some reason, I'm thinking maybe it was 140 dirham. That might be about $14 US. Yes, that is correct. Yes, about 14, okay. 15. Yes, that is correct. Yes. So that was per person. And it's worth it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you have to see it. It's yeah. incredible. So it was super worth it. I could hear all the languages that were being spoken by the guides. You can do it in about an hour to see the inside. And then you have time to go and explore the garden and everything else that's there. So yeah, I highly recommend. Thank you. Thank you for that. During your trip, you booked four days with us, four days desert tour from Fas to Marrakesh, going through Ifran, Dad's Valley, Skura, the Atlas Mountains, how was your experience throughout all those stops, if you can remember it? Just looking back now, I mean, we've been home for about, you know, just over a week now. We did so much. Even before we got between Casablanca and Fez, that was already a lot. We went up to uh, Tangier as well. So we had a good experience. And I think that helped because once we got on board with your tour and with Elias, it was great to have a little bit of our own knowledge of the country already because we had been doing walking tours in other cities. That really nice. helped. And now it was time to explore the interior part of the country. It was fascinating. So when we left Fez, our first stop, we met with the tour leader, Elias. I can't say enough about him. Like he's really, <laughs> a, really a fascinating person. Like he was an interesting component of our trip for sure. And uh, Ahmed, our driver, who was excellent as well. So they were a very good pair to be traveling with. So our first day, we left Fez. We drove for about an hour, very early in the morning, because we had a huge itinerary. A lot of things we wanted to see and do yeah. along the way. Elias took us for breakfast about uh, one hour outside of Fez. There was a small town. We had been eating pretty good in Morocco up until this point. <laughs> but one thing we didn't have yet was the beef jerky. Oh my god. I oh can't remember gosh. the the name of this. Maybe you can help. It's it's called El Gadid. Okay. So I had seen on a menu somewhere, this is prior to our trip, on a breakfast menu, it just said omelet with drippy meat is what it said. Yes. 
And so I'm like, I, I have no idea what that is. I don't know if I want to tempt fate. So I, <laughs> I didn't order it when I saw it, right? And then so Elias takes us to this one town and he says, okay, well, if we're going to have, you know, a more traditional style breakfast, let me order for you guys. So he took care, he ordered some things, pancakes, olive pancakes, and some of them were prepared with honey, really, really good. Yes. And so we finally got to try the omelet because I saw these in Fez. A lot of markets in the Sooks, they'll have these little plastic containers and you'll see the oil because they're preserved in fat, I think. Yes. It doesn't look appetizing when it's in the little jar, but we got an omelet with them and it was actually delicious because once you cook it, once you cook the beef, it just unlocks all the flavor and with eggs, it was perfect. And that's something that I honestly, I think I would have missed out on that had, you know, we not had Elias there to help us navigate just the menu items, right? Oh, I totally agree. That's one of the delicacies in the Moroccan cuisine. The good news, um, you didn't get sick because it's really, really <laughs> strong. So if you had a weak stomach, I promise you, you would have felt it. The funny thing for me, when I eat it, I can't eat more than two bites. The reason <laughs> is it really makes me dizzy. For some reason, it does make me dizzy, but I love it. I love it. Yeah, it was good. And we did get really lucky. We ate so much amazing food in Morocco. And maybe I'll touch on the food a little bit later in our conversation, but we didn't get sick at all. I was prepared. We had brought some medicines from Canada with us just in case, but oh uh, we got really lucky. That's incredible. That's incredible. How was the Riyadh in Fez? How was your experience with the Riyadh? Because Fez has some of the best Riyadhs in the country. Escape to the exotic beauty of Morocco with our exclusive small group tours. Experience intimate group sizes that ensure personalized attention and unforgettable adventures. From the enchanting streets of Marrakesh to the serene beauty of the Sahara Desert. Forge friendships that last a lifetime while immersing yourself in Morocco's rich culture, vibrant traditions, and warm hospitality. Book your small group tour with Destination Morocco today. Experience the intimacy of a private tour at an affordable price. Go to our website, destinationsmorocco.com, that's destinations with an S, morocco.com, and reserve your spot today. It was special. We had a Riyadh that was right in the Medina. And everywhere we went in Tangier, in Fez, in Marrakesh, in Essaouira, we tried to stay in Riyadh. I think this is the number one piece of advice I would offer travelers. Because I think you mentioned in one of your episodes earlier on that Riyadhs don't really exist anywhere else but in Morocco. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's strange that you would have your accommodation as one of the important things to do while you're in Morocco. But in Fez, we researched quite a few Riyads through a bunch of different websites. We found one in the Medina we really liked. And the Riyadh, of course, you know, has a courtyard, typically one or two levels, but limited rooms. So you're only there with maybe eight, 10, yeah. 12 guests at the most. There's usually a rooftop, sometimes a hot tub, which is really nice. And then sometimes a pool on the ground floor. So you really feel like you have this oasis, this place to call home while you're visiting in Morocco. And as you know, in Fez, they're absolutely beautiful. We had one in Marrakesh, which was incredible. I would not recommend doing it any other way. Please try not to stay in hotels. <laughs> I, I know that may suit certain travelers better. I totally understand. But the Riyads were incredible. So we had a really good one in Fez. 
I always say the same thing when it comes to Riyadh versus hotels. If there's a large or medium-sized group, you don't really have a choice but to stay at a hotel. But if it's two people, four people, six people, I would absolutely 100% go always for the Riyadh. So because the experience is just, it's very different. You know, last time when I went to Fas, this is kind of strange. The Riyadh was, it was mind-blowing for me. I was very, very surprised in the most positive way. Then the funny thing, they were under construction, but they never canceled our booking. So for the length of time that we have stayed, they have the staff just for us. Wow. And it was kind of strange, but we were very grateful. There's something in Fez that you feel, especially in the Riyadh, that you're not going to feel anywhere else, even in Marrakesh sometimes. And Fez is absolutely one of my favorite cities. Yeah, absolutely. The hospitality you get in the Riyadhs, it's unbelievable. It really, it feels like you're visiting with a, a family member or a friend that you know really well, and they really want to take care of you and show you a really nice time for you. So yeah, it's just unbelievable, the hospitality in Morocco. I'm glad to hear that. Thank you. Thank you. So the next question that I have for you, in those four days, we picked some accommodations for you. How was our selection? And I know that you had one favorite. And if you can tell us about it, please. Yeah. So when we started our trip with you guys, we left Fez. We saw a lot along the way, but ultimately our day one destination was Merzuga. So I think we drove through the uh, Ziz Valley, which was beautiful, absolutely stunning. Just amazing pictures. And I'm, I have so many photos on my camera. Like I'm still going through a lot of them. Like it's absolutely incredible and mind-blowing, some of the stuff that we saw. And then we stopped in a place, I think it was called Middelt. Yes, Middelt. Middle, okay. And I think this is where they, they do an apple festival every year, yes. something like this. And we actually stopped there briefly because we had seen somewhere along the road this setup for the Fantasia, Fantasia show. Fantasia. Yes, yes. Yeah. With the horses and... Yeah. Yes, and that yes. was really interesting. So this wasn't on our itinerary. This is a little bit of, uh, you know, making it up as we go. Elias said, you guys like horses? And uh, we're like, oh, sure, I guess. So we stopped there briefly to have a look at the horses and some of the caregivers for the animals. They were really friendly and, and really nice with us. Harmony actually got up on a horse with these really decorative saddles, which was really, really cool. They even let her hold the gun that uh, they oh, used wow. for the shows. And that was really cool. And that was just a really neat thing that had we been on a tour bus with 40 or 60 people, like we're not stopping there. You know, that's not something yeah, that I think sure. we could yes. have gotten with a larger group experience. So it was really nice to have a guide like Elias who was flexible, but also kept us on schedule as well, because that was a great stop, very memorable, funny. You know, we got some great photos. Just going back to our Riyadh for the first night, I think we stayed at the Kasbah Didis uh, Dadis. That's Valley. Yes. Yeah. We packed so much sightseeing into that day. It was nice to get to the Riyadh finally. And that place is beautiful. There's a pool. There's gorgeous, gorgeous views of the valley. Like it's unbelievable. So once we settled in, <laughs> we went downstairs for dinner a little bit late. I think it was around like maybe 7, 38 p.m. And they just prepared this amazing feast for us. It was probably one of my favorite meals in Morocco because they made a couscous for us, which was so good. And I had had couscous once on the trip in Casablanca, but it, was, it wasn't as good. Something was missing. I don't know. It, it, maybe it was just done a different way or a different style. Something, something was missing there. But this one was legitimate. Like It was absolutely amazing. <laughs> We're eating this couscous. Then they come out and say, well, we also have this extra tagine, you know, if anyone wants it. So here's a beef tagine as well. And that was like, oh my God, that was probably the best tagine I had also. <laughs> but the one thing they had, they had some bread, which was unbelievable. And Morocco, like there's bread everywhere. 
Yes. I don't know how everyone in Morocco stays so skinny because there's always <laughs> bread on the table. They walk. Yes, exactly. But for me, it was really tough because I love bread and I just want to eat it all the time. And these guys, they had the most delicious bread to go with the tagine and the couscous. So that was just an unbelievable meal. And they were so happy to feed us and they were wonderful to interact with. So I think that was, you know, one of our favorite stays as well on the entire trip. It was just so beautiful, scenic. The food just ticked all the boxes. It was really great. So I really appreciate their hospitality. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'll give you a little bit of behind the scene. Sam knows the owner of that place. The owner, he does all the marbles of all the palaces for the king. He's super nice, super generous. And you know, some of the things that Sam does, nobody sees, and we don't talk about it. He's always a day ahead of you. He makes sure that whatever you're going to be staying, that everything is good. The reservation, everything is good in terms of the food, in terms of everything. So when Elias goes and gets to the location, everything is pre-ready for him to do whatever he needs to do. He made some calls, and that's one of his really, really, really good friends. And he said, you know, these are, we have some VIPs, please just take care of them. It's really the Berber hospitality. And the couscous is different because there's over a hundred different ways to make couscous and they all taste different. But this one is the Southern Berber couscous, really. Then the tagine, it's slow cooked. It's incredible. So they have expected you for a while. So they prepared everything for you ahead of time, four or five hours before you got there, which is really, really nice of them. And we do appreciate it as well. Elias, because we stay in contact all the time, he did tell me that was your favorite spot. So, and, and I'm glad you, you felt that way. And the funny thing is I stayed at, I don't remember if it was the same Riyadh or not back last time I was in Morocco and the service was just incredible. It was just amazing. Unbelievable. The dinner, the breakfast. So I was for me really, really above and beyond what we have expected. So I'm glad that you got to feel that and experience it with Harmony at Dance Valley. It was honestly unbelievable. So that was great hospitality. And, and when we had done the desert camp as well, they really took care of us also. It's such a long drive to get to your Sahara desert camp that it was nice, you know, you have a little bit of uh, mint tea when you arrive because, you, you know, you take the camel <laughs> ride <Yes>. over to <laughs> the camp. And that was a little bit uncomfortable for me, but, I, you know, I did it. I think it was like 45 minutes. It felt like a lot longer, but... Um, I know. Yeah, because there's no, there's no stirrups on the camels. And Harmony, she's natural. Like, she really was comfortable and she took to it quite well. And then me, I'm just like hanging on for dear life, trying to get some photos. But anyway, once we arrived to that desert camp as well, they took care of us. I believe that was called San Mao. Yeah, San Mao, yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, the owner, he's a friend of mine and very good friend of Sam as well. And that's the good thing when you book with us. We know almost everybody. We have a relationship with them. If it's not me, then it's Sam. If it's, we know somebody that knows somebody. And that's really, really the way to travel to Morocco. You have to know somebody. It makes such a huge difference, including the food. If you want to, you know, just spend 20 bucks for breakfast, you got to know somebody. But that desert camp, it was incredible. And I wanted to ask you about the camel ride. I felt the exact same way you have felt. <laughs> I was really scared. I was sweating. I was really uncomfortable. But we took a little break just before the sun went down. And they gave us an opportunity to take a little break and take pictures. The sunset was just incredible. How was it for you? Pablo, if you can share that with us, please. When we arrived in Merzuga, the clouds were rolling in. So by the time we got on the camels, it would have been perfect timing for an amazing sunset, but it was cloudy. 
Oh my goodness. Yes. So we did stop and get a few photos and it's still beautiful. I mean, the red sand dunes are incredible. They look endless, honestly, as you look over the horizon, like you just see sand dunes. That night, there was actually a thunderstorm. So I was really hoping to be able to take some nice nighttime photos of the stars and the Milky Way, because I've seen so many of my own friends' photos as well, right? And, and this is one of the things I was looking so forward to. Oh my it God. was a completely cloudy night, and then it started to rain a little bit, and then overnight it was actually a thunderstorm. So this type of thing happens to me, honestly, all the time. Like I'm always the one that goes to the Sahara Desert during a thunderstorm. But that was a neat experience as well. Unfortunately, the next day, it was also cloudy for the sunrise. We did wake up at like 6 a.m., 6.30 to try and catch it, but it was cloudy. So one thing I would recommend is we had four days with you guys in our portion of the tour, but it's so hard to pack in how much we did in those four days. Looking back now, I really would have liked to add an extra day to the trip because whether you leave from Marrakesh or from Fez, I think you need that full day to see everything in between, get to your camp, and then one full day to actually enjoy it and be able to go out walking and hiking. Just the way things and dates and other ideas on our trip, the way it lined up, we didn't get to do that. But looking back now, it's like, oh, shoot, I really wish we had. But it was still, like I said, they took care of us at the camp. And even though it was raining, we made the most of it and we had a nice fire and it was beautiful. So you did the music and the fire camp after dinner, right? Yeah, for sure. They came out and played some music. And you can hear the music too in the background from other camps. And it's an interesting oh, nice. vibe, you know, because you can walk around and even in the moonlight, it's so bright. So you can see where you're going. And it's nothing like I had ever uh, seen before. Uh, really a unique experience. And how was the weather? Was it hot? Was it okay? Was the change of temperature at nighttime versus daytime? I didn't notice it too much. I thought the accommodations was wonderful. So there was extra blankets in the tent. It was chilly enough that, you know, you wanted to probably sleep in your tent because some people do sleep outside the tent on the sand, which is really cool. But we were there in uh, mid-October. So it was nice. It was perfect in the daytime, maybe a little bit chilly at night, but it was overall beautiful, especially compared to the Canadian winter I'm just about to walk into now. Oh, oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> I really, really appreciate you sharing all the information with the audience because I know it's going to help a lot of people planning their own trip or trying to go to Morocco and they want us to help them book everything for them. So this is very valuable content. And in Morocco, like you said, there was a little bit of a cultural shock for you earlier in the episode, but how was the culture and the hospitality of the Moroccan people during your 18 days of stay in Morocco? Close your eyes and imagine the warm desert breeze kissing your skin as you wander through the narrow streets of Marrakesh. Feel the excitement as you lose yourself to the vibrant colors of the souks, where every corner holds a treasure waiting to be discovered. Experience the thrill of adventure as you traverse the majestic Sahara Desert on a camelback, with nothing but endless dunes stretching before you. Experience Morocco. Feel alive. Get 15% off all small group tours. Visit our website, destinationsmorocco.com. That's destinations with an S, morocco.com. Use the word 15 as a discount code at checkout and reserve your spot today. This was a very memorable experience for me because never in my life have I, or have we, Harmony and I, 
experience so much genuine hospitality. And we were messaging a little bit throughout our trip. I think I mentioned to you that it was a really nice feeling to feel like we weren't tourists. It felt like we were guests. And we felt that way pretty much everywhere we went, whether it was at our Riyadhs in Tangier or in Fez or in Merzuga, just the whole way. Everyone was so hospitable and friendly. And even though, you know, not everyone speaks English, they try their best to understand you. That is something that I'll remember forever because I've never experienced mm -hmm. hospitality to that level before on a trip. It really was like a family atmosphere because I come from an Italian family. So growing up, we had a lot, a huge family. And anytime you go to an aunt's house or an uncle's house, or your grandparents' house, whatever, there's always lots of food and they want to feed you and they're so happy to do it. And then that's yeah. just how it felt like in Morocco. It was absolutely unbelievable. We stopped one place before Merzouga. It was just the side of the road. Maybe Efrain, Efran? Efran, yes, yes. Maybe it was there. So we stopped on the side of the road and Ahmed just ran out the door and he goes in this little shop. It was just like a cafe with a little shop there. And I came back to the van with a box of dates. Oh my God. Yeah. And the dates. So I don't like dates because I've had them before and they're like, what is this? So I had one of these dates and they're almost like the size of like golf balls. These are huge. I ate it and it was like this explosion in my mouth of like really gushy, but like good and different. Oh wow. And uh, so it was like, it really was like I had a date for the first time. Harmony loved them. So the whole rest of the next few days were just like picking at these dates in the car, right? <laughs> it was a nice treat. Oh, that is so cool. I remember when you sent me that text. For me, it really took me, I wouldn't say by surprise, but it was one of the most beautiful things that I've heard or somebody said to me as a person or to the company, because, you know, being a guest is our goal. We treat you like a guest. You're not a confirmation number to us. You're not just a client. And it takes a lot to do that transition from just a regular tour or a trip to becoming a guest and becoming a family member. And it really means a lot to me and it means a lot to the whole team. So I'm very grateful that you have felt that way. And we really, really appreciate you. You and Harmony, we had so much fun. No, I appreciate that. Yeah, no, thank you. You guys are a great help. And, and really what it is, is it's a comfort as well. Because what you get when you go with a company like Destination Morocco is, you know, you have Azdeen who's, you know, based in the US, but he has someone who's in Morocco overseeing everything at all times. And that's beyond your tour leader and your driver. They're with you all the time. But it's just that peace of mind, that reassurance, because one of the reasons why we chose you guys is because we wanted to do and see a lot of the interior of the country, but it was very tricky to try to plan that ourselves. So we wanted to put our faith in a good company someone who could take care of our needs and you guys nailed it. So I really appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. I was going to ask you about, I know, especially fast to Merzuga, that could be about 10 hour drive for a lot of people. When they see Morocco on the map, they don't think it's that long of a distance, but it is, it is a long drive. So one day you just drive in. Sometimes when you don't have the time to stay an additional night in between Fas and Merzuga, then it's just going to be driving all the way until you get to uh, Dad's Valley like you did. It is a lot of driving. And in Canada and the U.S., I think we're a little bit more accustomed to long drives because we have very long highways, huge stretches of road. 
So for us, the driving was okay, but you're also going through the high Atlas Mountains, the middle Atlas Mountains, the anti-Atlas Mountains, and there's a lot of hairpin turns. So luckily, you know, Ahmed, he was a great driver. So thank you very much for taking (laughs) care of us. I don't think I could have driven on some of those roads. At least I wouldn't have liked to on vacation. So you really do need time, you know, to go and see the desert. And then to do everything from whether it's Marrakesh to Merzuga or Fez to the desert, there's so much to see. Luckily, we had a good structure and Elias was fantastic. I mean, it just seemed like everywhere we were stopping, he, he was running into people he knew from being a guide or someone from his village. It was pretty funny. It's just everywhere we went, he knew somebody. <laughs> but also to have the flexibility to pull over to a stop. This is a really interesting one, one that sticks out of my mind. Maybe you know the name of it, but there was one stop we made along the highway where there's these mounds on the side of the road. And this is where the underwater aquifers are. They dig from the mother well, and then they deliver the water underground to the end destination. Yes. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes. And the reason why they did that because of the heat, they did not want the water to evaporate. So they have underground wells. It's a unique, I actually have been underneath. Have you gone underneath? Yes. Yeah, we did. Oh, oh my God. Tell us about it, please. I didn't even know these existed in Morocco. So, I mean, this is just the benefit of having someone like Elias with all the knowledge, because I never would have found this. And had I been driving on that highway on my own, I would have said, oh, that looks interesting. Maybe it's a a house or a settlement or something. And I would have probably just kept on driving. But we stopped. And along the way, some people will build staircases and, you know, have a little, maybe a cafe or a little shop or something there. So maybe you can pay something and then you can go down and underground. And I highly recommend you do because it's basically an underground cave that's hand carved. And if I remember correctly, I think there's a very gradual slope from the mother well to the end destination, but it stretches for miles. Yeah. It was impressive. So you're able to go down and walk, uh, you know, a little bit of the length of the underground tunnels. And it's just fascinating to see. And you can see how high the water levels must have been over time because obviously they're empty now. But that was something that was a really fun surprise to find along our trip. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you have any type of advice or a hack or a tip for people that are going to be traveling to Morocco anytime soon? Yeah, two things. Number one is stay in Riyadh. Eating a meal at your Riyadh is going to be a very fun and interesting experience for you as well. So try to pick one that maybe has a good review in terms of the food. Because as you mentioned earlier, everything in Morocco is fresh. So if you're going to eat dinner at your Riyadh, you typically have to let them know in advance. So either the night before or the morning of, because they have to go out and buy the ingredients and get the food. So it doesn't matter if it's a tagine or couscous or something different, whatever you want, they need some time to make it. I would say research your Riyadh's, find some ones with some good reviews, maybe even get into contact with them because everyone's so happy to help you. And every time you ask a question, it just seems like they're more than happy to spend a few moments with you and really find some places where you know you're going to be happy after a long day of walking around in the Medina or doing your excursion or your shopping, whatever it is, you know, you really want to have a nice home oasis to come back to where you can feel comfortable and relaxed. And then the second thing I think is, you have to listen to Azine's podcast. I mean, I can't <laughs> explain how helpful this was. And it was really fascinating to go back now that I've gone there with the perspective yes. of, okay, I've seen things that we're talking about. It's really interesting because it's tricky when you're listening to podcasts. You know, you, you haven't been there yet. You forget the names of things. Because I had to re-listen to a couple episodes just before our chat today. Two of them that I want to listen to 
was the one with Elias because I didn't realize until halfway through our trip together that, oh, yeah, I kind of know you already because you did an episode <laughs> with Asdin. Yeah. So that was really interesting to see. And Elias, you know, if, if he's listening to this, I just want to say thank you again. It was really fun to learn about the Moroccan history, culture, the traditions of Berber, and just his stories, you know, because he's done so many tours. And he has a very fascinating, interesting way of speaking. <laughs> so we learned a few sayings from him. A good one was um, when we slapped the hedgehog. I don't know if this is a <laughs> saying for Moroccans or if this is just a saying for Elias. But basically, I think that means when you try to do something, but it doesn't go right, you slap the hedgehog <laughs> a little bit. At least that's my understanding. So when I think of that thunderstorm in the Sahara, maybe we slapped the hedgehog there, but that's okay. And then the other episode I listened to was the one with Xavier in Essaouira, which is on the Atlantic coast, two hours from Marrakesh. Oh, Xavier. Yes, yes, yes. And he was totally bang on. Everything he said about Essaouira was very accurate. We only did two nights there. I think a third would have been really cool just to maybe get a car and drive around or something. Absolutely, absolutely. We had booked our accommodation in Essaouira before you connected us with Xavier because after our trip had ended, it was really nice to have yourself and Elias still be a part of our trip, even though we had departed from one another. I told you that we were going to be in Marrakesh. And Elias connected us with someone who did the henna, which was a really cool experience. Yes. We got to learn how it's made. We had some done in ourselves. I think mine is washed away by now, but that was really cool and fascinating. And then you connected us with Xavier, which is unbelievable because he has a gorgeous Riyadh and you're able to have a meal there as well, seafood. And it was unbelievable. So I went back and I listened to that episode because Xavier's a very interesting individual. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Very fascinating. Very fascinating. So it was very cool to hear what his impressions were of Essaouira as well. You know, I can't say enough. Just the podcast, it was a lot of information. It guided us in the right direction. And I really, really wish that what you and Ted are doing here with this project, I wish more people were doing. And, and there are some really, really good ones out there that are catered to specific regions or countries that I've heard. And, and these episodes are timeless because you have guests you. on that share a lot of information about Fez, about some of the cities and the history. This hopefully is going to help a lot of people plan trips to Morocco in the future. So even though I don't have a trip planned to Morocco soon, I'll still listen to the episodes because, you know, you. why not? <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And everything we do, any feedback that we can get from the listeners, the kind of topics they want us to cover We'll create episodes for that. You know, me and Ted, we talk quite a bit. Me and Sam, we're on a daily conversation. We talk all the time how to make it better, how to improve. But the feedback is very crucial for us. Pablo, I appreciate you and I appreciate Harmony because from the first time when we connected and we created the itinerary for you, we know the value of time. You know, you said we picked you up earlier than fast because fast, if we stay, they're going to serve you breakfast a little bit late. And we're going to lose an hour, an hour and a half. So we'd rather gain that an hour, an hour and a half on the road, knowing that it's going to take us about, you know, nine, 10 hours to get to the destination and making a stop that you'll take you maybe 30 minutes to eat your breakfast. No, for sure. I mean, when you're with a company like with Azin Destination Morocco, there was a couple of moments when I kind of knew this differentiates so much between your cookie cutter tour, your big tour bus company. And there's two moments that stick out in my mind. One is when we went to Eid Ben Hadou, which is absolutely unbelievable. UNESCO World Heritage Site is just incredible. I think they filmed Gladiator there, Game of Thrones, Lawrence of Arabia. I love movies, so I was enchanted by that. It was amazing. 
But at the entrance, once you get through the fake gates that they build for Game of Thrones there, once you get into the actual site, it was kind of early in the day, so it wasn't quite busy yet. But there was one lady who was just kind of off to the side. She had a little shop where she was baking something, some bread. And we saw this and like, you know, a lot of people were walking by, taking pictures, but no one actually stopped to actually talk to her. And so we went over with Elias and Elias sat down, said hello and asked, what's she making? And from what we could understand, all it was was just an oven, a stone oven. It was a space that's shared between some of the women in the village. And she was making, maybe you know the name of this. I only can refer to it as Moroccan pizza. <laughs> Basically, what she was doing was she was making the bread and then she was stuffing it with carrots and peppers and onions. It was a vegetarian. And then she kind of rolled it together, put it in the oven for a few seconds, pulled it out. And then, you know, we sat down in her little shop there. And we shared this meal together and it was just unbelievable. And we just had a huge breakfast that morning, but this was so good and so fresh. I mean, like you're not going to get fresher than this, like cooked right on the stone. And we were just having a moment there. She served us some tea, which is really nice. And you could see all the group tours just walking by us. You know, they, they weren't going to get this experience. That was a really special moment for us. And on our way out, we passed by one cooperative that's run by also some women in the region where they make the rugs. So we went inside there and, you know, because I've been on tours where at some point the guide is going to take you into a shop, whether it's his buddy's shop. And, you know, you sometimes you feel a little bit pressured to buy something, but this was totally different. We went there. It was a cooperative. So we had one of the owners explain the shop, who works there. And then we got a demonstration. We got to do it ourselves of how the women actually make the rugs on the looms. Oh, wow. It's an absolutely insane process. Like they kind of explained there was one rug that someone was working on that's going to take at least eight months to complete. I tied a few threads the way that you're supposed to do it. And I don't have the thumbs or the fingertips for this. The fingers. Yeah, no, no, no. (laughs) It didn't work. So I can't imagine how long that would take me. But it was cool to learn about it and then to also have the opportunity to buy a rug. So actually, we bought two rugs and I'm really happy that we got them home safely. Oh, nice. And that's just an amazing souvenir because we were at Ape Benhadu, a beautiful place. We loved it. We were at Helios having a great time. And it's a wonderful souvenir to have. That's incredible. Ait bin Haddu is one of the best places to buy rugs. In terms of the markup, it's not a lot of markup. They tell you this is what the price is. They're making a little bit of profit, but they're not making a lot of profit like you would get it from Sawera, from Marrakesh or Fez. And that's the reason why we don't really focus on shopping experience. But if somebody wants to do that, we go with them with precaution. If we see something that it's not right, we just say, hey, just walk away. This is too expensive. They're scamming you and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And Elias has done it many, many times for our clients. And, uh, you know, I personally appreciate that because one of the tours that we did with Rachel, I believe it was in September, she went too fast and she wanted to get some scars. I think three of them. And the bazaar guy said that it's going to be a hundred dollars. So we went to Marrakesh and we did the stop with Billy and she got to meet Sam and Billy. And then they showed him the picture and it's like, you know what? I'll be back. And he got him for $15. That's the benefit of having a tour leader with you. He's not a tour guide. He's above a tour guide. He puts them in check. If a tour guide is taking you to a shop and they're going to take advantage of you, they're going to get their cut or their commission, he's not going to let them. He's going to prevent that from happening to protect you. And that's the value of the tour leader. You're saving a lot of time and time is money. So when you have a tour guide with you, a local tour guide, then you have a tour leader with you from the moment you set foot in Morocco until you leave. That's your insurance. That's your protector. That's, you know, he does everything for you. So I know it, it's an amazing place. 
and uh, back to the lady who was baking the bread. We call it tenurt. That's what we call it. And as kids, I love that bread. It's unbelievable. The way that it's made, it's cooked on top of rocks. So it's not a flat bread. You can see that it's yeah. got a little bit of holes throughout the bread. And normally as kids, they make one, it's probably 24 inch. That's how big sometimes they make them. And they split them for us as kids. They just give us a little bit of a slice and then they put fresh butter. Oh my God, it's, I, I can <laughs> taste it right now. It's just, it's an amazing experience. So the way that you had it, it's very different. I haven't had it that way, but it just sounds very, very delicious. Yeah, a very unique experience. That's tricky to find. And typically, you know, we are like the people who like to figure things out on our own and do our own thing, backpacker style a little bit. But I'm really glad we were able to work together because Morocco, it's different. It's unique. And to have someone who speaks the languages, because in Morocco, you have your classic Arabic, you have Berber dialects, you have French and then a lot of Moroccans speak different languages as well. So to have someone to navigate you through that, that uh, is looking out for you, it was uh, a huge comfort for us, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. What else would you like to add? Do a little bit of planning in advance. You know, if you want to be able to drink, to have some beer or some wine or some spirits, that is something you kind of have to maybe plan for if you're going to leave the cities because it's tricky. You're not going to find a lot of bottle shops, you know, along the highways. Yeah. So you got to plan a couple of things in advance. But I think the most important thing for me is just when you do decide to go to Morocco, you really have to travel, I think, with an open mind because you're going to experience so many different languages. There's different ethnicities, religions, traditions. It's so rich, everything in Morocco. So you really have to keep an open mind. And then I think you also have to keep an open heart as well because you're going to meet so many incredible people along the way whether it's someone who is working at your Riyadh and the hospitality you get from them or someone like Elias and Ahmed and Sam who are going to help you along on your tour, you're going to make some great connections. So open mind and open heart is really all you need when you go to Morocco. I completely agree. This is the end of our episode, Pablo. Thank you so much for being a guest. Really, really, really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you very much. And with the World Cup in Qatar... Morocco and Canada, they're in the same group. So I wish both of our countries the best <laughs> of luck because Morocco, very soccer crazy yes, country. Yes. They love their soccer there. So Yeah, the Moroccan team looks solid this year. So cross fingers. We'll see. Absolutely. I was wearing my Alfonso Davies jersey in uh, the Medina in Marrakesh and I got some funny looks. It was all good fun, you know. But <laughs> yeah, I think there may be a bit of rivalry now between us, but hopefully we both do well. Oh, absolutely. Yes, yes. Thanks for being a fun part of that and for this. I'm sure we'll talk to you again soon. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for joining us this week on the Destination Morocco podcast. Our dedicated show website, destinationmoroccopodcast.com, is where you can find all of our episodes, leave a review, find our social media links, and even register as a guest. If you have been to Morocco yourself, and would love to share a story, advice, or recommendations, you're welcome to participate in our podcast. Whether it's a five-minute story or a full conversation, we will guide you through the steps so that you can share your experience with our listeners. We will be back soon enough with a new episode for you as we continue our exploration of the beautiful country of Morocco. See you then! You have traveled the world, but 
Morocco's allure beckons you. Destination Morocco is here to create the perfect once-in-a-lifetime Moroccan journey, tailored exclusively to your desires. Let us craft an itinerary that unlocks the secrets of this mesmerizing land just for you. For a luxurious, bespoke Moroccan adventure of a lifetime, visit destinationsmorocco.com. That's destinations with an S, morocco.com. And let us turn your dreams into reality. Your amazing Moroccan experience awaits.